Hello, and welcome to Cherry Beckert's Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. My name is Neil Began, Cherry Beckert's Leader of Risk Advisory Services. And today on our podcast, we are going to be talking about sustainability and the future of ESG. Joining me today is Ved Gupta, a leader in Cherry Beckert's Risk Advisory Practice. Ved has over 20 years of extensive experience in business process and planning, financial reporting, governance framework, and operations management. In his career, he has examined ESG as part of the larger risk universe and defining the E, the S, and the G, and the positive impacts to business. Ved, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Happy to uh, be here. Excellent. So in order to kick off the discussion, let's start at the beginning and how I open today's podcast. Let's talk about sustainability. Uh, My first question, again, we always do five questions on this podcast series. So the first one today, Ved, is what is sustainability and why is it important? Thank you, Neil. Sure. Uh, Let me uh, begin with a simple fact, uh, Neil, that we only have finite resources, but we have infinite wants and needs. So preserving and upholding the resources is what sustainability is all about. It is a quality of life that nature provides us. In 2015, the United Nations came up with 17 goals, which were called the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals. These goals, they strive for a better world. Uh, It strives for a circular economies where there is no poverty. Everybody gets their fair share. Everybody lives in harmony, satisfied. So ESG is basically an actionable means to achieve that goal. If I may quickly introduce the three pillars in ESG. So E is environment, which includes the energy a company takes in and the waste that it discharges. It needs resources for its operation, for its existence. So E includes all the harmful gases or the carbon emissions or the climate change. S is the social criteria. It includes the human aspect. It's about creating a healthy environment for a labor workforce, empowering them, helping them to succeed. So it's about building relationships with the community. G is governance. It pertains to tone at the top, the righteousness with which a business is run, the ethical practices, the processes and the controls that exist to make decisions effectively. Neil, if I have to say one thing, it's that there is no ESG without G. So now why is it important to our ecosystem? The decision criteria of people are changing. They also look at a company's positive or negative contributions to the community when making an economic decisions about that company. Accuracy of financial reporting, doing the right thing, efficient processes and effective leaderships are all there. They they exist and they will always be there. But how a company rates in its sustainability path has become very important. I would say there are many issues in this world that we have to tackle or we have to take care, but this ESG or sustainability is a question about our future, about our well-being and about our survival. So, and I appreciate that background, but very thorough. Let's talk about, does ESG impact businesses in creating value? The easy part is to maintain the status quo and keep doing it the old way. We all know what Charles Darwin said. It's not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent. It's one that is most adaptable to change. So ESG brings about change. A strong ESG program has benefits that extend beyond just profits. It's developing better relationships with the community, employees, regulatory authorities, 
employee productivity and efficiency, I would say, would increase if the workforce is happy and improved government relation would give you access to more markets, would increase your opportunity, it would lessen the regulatory burden. And then the green initiatives that a company can undertake can attract new investments and hence access to capital. Now, there is a possibility that in the short term, uh, the, the capital and the operational expenditure might increase as businesses try to tweak their processes. But again, the goal is to create a long-term value and not short-term gratification. So we have many examples that uh, many companies have lost their relevance because they were not adaptable to change. For example, if I have to name a couple, it's Kodak, Nokia. And then there are companies which we see in everyday life which are constantly innovating, Apple, or any other semiconductor company you can just take in. So to sum up, as I said before, the value can be created by having a long-term vision, building and sustaining relationships, or creating prosperity for the community as a whole. Absolutely, and, and obviously ESG still somewhat new uh, in the minds of many and you know, affecting different industries in, in different ways and the adoption is, is uh, slower or quicker based on those industries. So is there a conclusive guidance on ESG at this point? We're sitting here kind of, you know, uh, September of 2022. Would you tell somebody there's conclusive guidance at this point on ESG? The answer is no for now. But there are many organizations that provide guidelines like the Global Reporting Initiatives, GRI, or Sustainability Accounting Standard Boards, SASB, or even the Value Reporting Foundation, uh, uh, which is VRF, which has now consolidated into the IFRS Foundation. But uh, those are yet to be codified. So because of this voluntary nature, the uh, results can be inconsist inconsistent, uh, subjective, uh, difficult to compare between companies or even difficult to compare between two different periods. Now, SEC in March uh, of this year came up with the new climate disclosures and if they are adopted, it would make it mandatory for the companies to account, report and disclose the necessary information. Uh, currently, they are collecting all the comments to their proposal and they will soon come up with the final determination. I would say Europe is ahead in the ESG journey and the International uh, Standard Board is soon will soon be coming up with their own guidelines. Then there are different countries who are bringing their own guidelines for sustainability development. Again, with the common theme and with the sole objective to hold companies accountable for their actions. So I would say one thing, the companies need to start preparing now and getting ready for some sort of disclosures that are coming. It's not the question if, it's more of a question of when. And ESG is here to stay because it is a huge impact on the community as a whole, and we cannot be caught off guard when it's time to deliver. Yeah, I certainly would agree with that statement as well. Um, so, so let's keep industries out for a second. What would you say is next for companies? The, to start with, the companies must decide what KPIs are important uh, to them or to their stakeholders. That's what we call the purpose. This is what we call, also call, they have to do a maturity assessment. It's not the same as maturity assessment uh, that PCOB lays down in the financial statement audit. It's different. Maturity assessment in a simple term means how a company affects its surrounding in a material way. It's mainly a two-step process. 
Step one is identifying the potential KPIs. And step two is identifying how relevant the chosen topics are to the stakeholders and the business's ability to impact them. Hence, materiality is a critical and cumbersome process, but there is a lot of guidance out there which can enable the companies to determine that. Well, thanks, and I'm going to end with my fifth question. I told you we'd keep it to five. I'm trying to keep that promise. So if I could ask on behalf of those companies and businesses, because that's what we like to do on this podcast series, is advocate for not only our clients, but other businesses that uh, could be interested, where would you suggest that they begin and what would you suggest that they consider as it's related to ESG and what we've talked about today? According to me, I would say four main things to consider. Uh, first, set up the governance framework. And by that, I mean that who will steer the ESG program, the oversight, or what is the role of the board uh, in this whole process. Second is determine the data requirements and what data is available, what data the companies need more, Now, as companies articulate the baseline data and the future targets to the world, the completeness and accuracy of the data would be reported is critical. Third, what technologies do the companies need? Collecting, compilation, aggregation, or reporting of data should not be a burden. And so appropriate technologies or systems must be in place. And finally, It's always about the people. It's always about the subject matter experts. There should be an appropriate knowledge in-house to do the job, to walk the companies through the process. So those are the questions I would say needs to be considered answered. So if I have to wrap it up, the important question is not how much it will cost today to put in an effective ESG program in place. The key question is what companies need for ESG framework because it will cost more to the company in its top line and the bottom line in the future if they do not adapt. It's about taking actions for the future and realizing the power of compounding. We all know Albert Einstein said, and I completely agree, believe in this, he who understands the compounding interest earns it. He who doesn't pays for it. So I would say my last statement, do it quick, do it right. I like it. Do it quick, do it right. You heard it here first. Thank you, Ved. I'm positive this will not be our last discussion on this topic, nor should it be. Uh, as we talked about, it's still fairly new, but it is impacting numerous organizations that we are dealing with and certainly many of the industries that, that we are serving. And as you stated earlier, obviously ESG will, will hopefully become ingrained within the mainstream reporting and business operations across the globe and really just become I, I, I you know, somewhat akin to cyber just as part of the normal course of business. And we see that day in, day out with the boards that we're speaking to in the audit committees, you know, uh, wasn't too long ago, five, 10 years ago, everybody wanted cyber, cyber, cyber. And certainly that has become ingrained within the mainstream of their day-to-day operations. You know, I hope our audience took a lot of value away from here. I know I did, there's more to come. In the meantime, we invite you to check out our FAQ on ESG located at cbh.com, a lot of letters there. So again, cbh.com, you can check out our FAQ on ESG. As we close out the summer, please stay tuned for more risk topics in the series, including podcasts on internal audit planning and pitfalls, as well as effective control automation. And if you have risk topics you want us to cover, just let us know. Visit us at cbh.com forward slash risk. As always, we ask that you please like, share, and subscribe to the Risk and Accounting Advisory Podcast. And thanks so much again for listening.